You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back as we dive in too deep with myself, your first host, Reason, and of course your other host, Neil Driscoll. You can follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow Neil at Neil Driscoll. You can follow myself at the underscore real underscore reason. Um, Neil, the Dolphins are coming off of a huge win. Um, you know, to a you know, set a personal best in air yards and the longest touchdown pass of his career, yet everyone wants to nitpick it. And I'll go on record as saying, other than adjusting his body, Matt Collins did not have to stop up for that football. So all he did was adjust his body, but he did not stop running. Um, You know, they it was ugly at times, but they beat the Joe Flacco-led Jets. And now we are heading into a game with one of the more formidable defenses in the NFL but you know Neil I want to get your feelings on everything because I've told everyone stop nitpicking plays enjoy the win we've gone from a couple wins to we're officially streaking how are you enjoying this week of victory transitioning into the matchup with the Carolina Panthers Neil well, football is a lot better, right? When we left the uh, kind of the uh, analysis to the experts, and I put that in air quotes that we saw on TV before idiots like yourself and me and everyone else in the world had Twitter and everything, and we nitpick everything. I mean, I, when your team throws a 65 yard touchdown pass and you spend the next morning really arguing about ball placement and where it went, like, I, I just think that there's better things to do, right? So I'm enjoying the three game. Wins. I know where the ball went into the end zone. Right, six. right. You know, and it was a game. It was a big play in the game, and the quarterback had to survive a collapsing pocket with people at his feet and make a throw, kind of obviously not set, kind of a sideways gunslinger type throw down the field. It was a big play in the game, and you know, look, up, they, maneuvered through the pocket. Mm. One three in a row. I mean, like, you know, I, I'll be honest. Like, I was expecting much more from the Miami Dolphins. I, I expected a bigger win, especially with Joe Flacco out there. Yeah. But it did seem like having, you know, the Jets made the right call with what quarterback to go for because Flacco looked pretty comfortable for most of the day back there. I mean, Zach you know, would have got feasted up like Thanksgiving dinner, brother. Right. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, you, you saw, like, look, you know, that the Jets, you know, they, they have pride. They play to win the game, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, they got a, quite a good young player he's there. In or, uh, he, he's going to be a problem for us for years. So going to definitely have to watch that. But, look, you beat a division rival on the road by a touchdown. Uh, um, you know, you got three in a row. And I think when you look at the schedule for the course of the year, the one that I think is going to be the toughest matchup uh, all the way up until that last game in New England, um, it, for me, the kind of the way I see it, is going to be the Carolina P the Panthers this week. I mean, they have a, a solid defense, very good secondary. Brian Burns is, is a stud pass rusher. Derek Brown, Shaq Thompson, you know, Hassan uh, Reddick. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. I mean, they have a solid, solid team. 
Um, yeah, they, they're one of those teams that probably have a better roster than their record would indicate. Yep, agreed. Um, you know, imagine and, if they still had JC Horn in the fold too. Oh boy. True. And, and I, look, you know, whether we like Cam Newton or not, I think he's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. He's definitely better than PJ Walker yep. and, and DJ Moore is a good player. And, and the biggest X factor in this game to me is Christian. Christian. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's our, our, like, we, we have to put this in perspective, right? Like he probably won't gash us running up the middle. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, but he's – like Christian McCaffrey is a great football player. But, you know, I, I think like – hey, game Great. Or, I, I'm going to say this. At least back in 2019, this is a guy who, when he turns it on, he's one of the best players in football. Let's get that. Right. Let's right. get that. Let's, Absolutely. Get, let's get that right. You know what I mean? This oh, guy man. is as formidable as it comes. And we'll get into that with the game preview because I got something I want to talk to you about. And a little good point about Christian McCaffrey we'll get when we get into the game preview. But let's start with the Jets game. Tua, um, he had another pick, um, the Waddle pick, similar to the Bills game where base wasn't properly set, didn't drive his front foot through it. Um, mechanically up top, there were um, some issues. It looked like he was following through to cower away from protecting the ribs. Um, but, you know, 273 yards, two touchdowns, 27 of 33, and 81.1 completion percentage. Tua Tungvaloa, my friend, is now one of only four quarterbacks in the NFL this year that has multiple games of 80% or better completion-wise. The other four, Mac Jones, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. The crazy thing is when you dive deeper into the numbers is when you look at the touchdowns that were thrown over both appearances of 80% completion or better, Mac Jones threw four touchdowns in the two games. Dak and Kyler threw three touchdowns in their two games. Tua has thrown six. Also, Tua is currently top 10 in the NFL in QBR. He's averaging throwing into an aggressive window rate of 19.7 for the season. For context, Mahomes, Murray, and Josh Allen all average less than 12.5%. Um, you know, you look at him right now in 17 games played, 15 starts, Tua is 8-7. and seven. One of three quarterbacks drafted since 2019 with a winning record, 65.7 completion percentage in that span, 3,285 yards, 20 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and six rushing touchdowns, and a passer rating of 88.8, but it's 91.4 this year. If you look at since week six against Jacksonville, Tua Tungvalu is eighth in passing yards with 1,256, fourth in touchdown passes with eight, and sixth in completion percentage, 70.3. And, you know, you look at him in that game, man, uh, he was 15 of 17 for 201 yards and a touchdown on play action. And against the Blitz, he was 7 of 8 for 117 yards, a touchdown, and the interception. Tua is trending up, my friend. It's happening right in front of us. Yes, he has bad interceptions that need to be cleaned out of this game, and he had one of them this game. But you can see the comfortability start. You know, that throw to Mac, how he evaded and moved up in the pocket. That was the old Tua that we saw in Tuscaloosa that had that footwork and that maneuverability and that pocket presence. He showed it off. You know, one throw that really impressed me, Neil, everyone was talking about the 65-yard completion. Follow me if you remember this one. He got decent protection. He dropped back, and it was to the left side of the field. I believe it was in the third or fourth quarter. It was in the second half. It was that about eight, nine-yard out route to Jalen Waddle and yeah, very good coverage. 
And I looked at that and I'm like, you know what? That's a big boy throw. Yes, big boy does not always have to be 40, 50, 60 yards. Those throws outside the numbers, you know, if you don't have the proper velocity and zip, which I think he does, those come down to ball placement. You know, anticipation on ball placement means a lot there. And the coverage was very, very good. And you know what I've noticed, Neil? Since he returned against Jacksonville, we talked about not only has his communication increased with the offensive line, but I'm starting to notice the one throw a game that makes it that kind of makes a step back and say, Well, I like that. He's now making, you know, three or four of them a game where if you're a tape watcher, if you know what to look for, you're like, that's a really good throw. You know, you look at that waddle throw on that post route in that cover six look that leaked into cover two against Baltimore. That was a fantastic throw. You know, he's starting to make them more often than not in games. And I'm not just seeing them once. I'm seeing them back to like two, three, four times a game right now. And I think that's really good. And, you know, people have always talked about um, quarterbacks elevating players around him. Well, he's elevating the play around him offensive line-wise because he's getting the ball out. He's making the right read. and He's being decisive about it. I mean, I don't know if you remember the play um, against the Jets where Austin Jackson got absolutely blown up by Quinn and Williams, I believe it was, and he ended up on his behind. But the thing was, Tua got the ball out before Quinnen could penetrate, so it actually didn't count as a pressure, even though Austin was basically pancaked. So, again, masking the deficiencies around him. You see, right now, other than Jalen Waddle, you know, he's working with Mac Collins. You know, Isaiah Ford goes out there. You know, you know, Albert Wilson started getting involved anymore, but this isn't the weapons, you know, that they sold us on. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, if you take away that interception, I absolutely love his performance against the Jets. Even if you include the interception, I think I, he did a lot of great things. You can continue to build off against the Jets. Um, overall, what did you think of Tua's performance against the Jets? Because, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, damn, Neil, if you take out that interception, it's a flawless performance and I don't got to listen to this nonsense. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah, and look, you know that. Let, let's talk about that throw. That throw was one of two of his best throws of the season. Um, that that out you're talking about the Waddle, and we're giving Tua credit. Let's give it to Waddle as well. You know, Waddle. You know, a lot of people think just because he's fast that he can only run nine routes. What we're seeing is a very smart, nuanced football player. I'm going to go on record. I want to say this, Neil. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you have segued, and I want to hear your thoughts on this because you're going to probably call me crazy. Everyone talked about how good Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy were as route runners, I included. I always talked about how Jalen Waddle was a mixture of Ruggs' speed, okay, the twitch and body movement and ability at the ball of Devontae Smith, and a little bit, you know, just a little bit of the route running that Jerry Judy has. I went back and you watched the All-22 against Marlon Humphrey, your hometown Ravens. Neil, I came away from that saying, is Jalen Waddle a better route runner than Jerry Judy right now? So did Marlon Humphrey, right? <laughs> so I know, but I want to hear your thoughts on that. Am I yeah, crazy? I, 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 Am I, I crazy? Say this. Heading into this draft, I had Jalen Waddle as the second ranked. He's my first. one. He's my one. I had him ranked second to Jamar Chase. You know, I, I did. Jamar Chase was fourth on my list. I'll take it on the chin. I had Waddle, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman. If, 
if I could do the draft today, I'd take Waddle over all of them. And I don't really care what the numbers say because I, you know, we've talked about coaching and system and scheme and play yeah. calling, you know, kind of at the defensive Tua, right? You know, Waddle has the same thing. And Waddle's on pace to set the all-time rookie record of, you know, catches and yards and shatter him, to be honest. And what he's done is he's doing something that's completely different than he was asked to do before, but he's excelling in it. In the short, I mean, we are going to get to a point where this guy's going to start catching these balls. I, I, we almost saw it before he stepped out of bounds last week. Oh, it was right but there, Neil. If he right stepped out of bounds, man, we're talking oh. about probably a 65-yard oh, touch. It was right again. there. He had one guy to beat, and he was going to beat him. Oh. And, and, and it's coming, man. And that's what is so impressive to me about Jalen Waddle. But back to Tua. You know, Tua, I give him a solid B on the day. But for Waddle thing, I want to add you. Okay. Don't, don't you notice that Tua – Tests the coverage a little more with Waddle than Brissett ever did. He's so damn good, man. Waddle's yeah. so damn. I I think Jalen Waddle's the best player in the Miami Dolphins already. I, I that's bold. I think it's true. I, and and if you watch the tape, because it doesn't matter if it's been Brissett or it doesn't matter if it's been Tua, they've both missed him. I oh, mean, yeah, they've both missed yeah. him a lot, and he's open. And they have to start. You know. We could rag on the coaching all day long. They have to start finding more ways to get the best players on this team the ball. Jalen Waddle included. I thought that was really a good play call as much as we bashed them. The end around the even yeah. though it was only a one-yard touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like that's what Jalen Waddle brings to the table. We haven't I know we drafted Ted Ginn Jr. and you know, like whatever. Brady not in the same stratosphere as this kid, bro. He's not in the same stratosphere. Ginn was never he's the complete player. dude. If this guy was six three, six four, he could go he could this guy could vie for I'm telling you, besides beside the size. He is the perfect package. Well, like think about this, Jacksonville Jaguars. If they had the second pick in the draft, not the first, they would have taken Jalen Waddle number two overall. The same thing. Well, you heard when we took him, it was Schefter or Rappaport. You'll probably remember reported that Waddle was the second player on our board, only behind Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I believe that, and I truly believe it, and I think that Jalen Waddle is going to have a really good rookie season. Yeah. But what we're going to see from this guy in year two and year three, I'm, I mean, you know, hold your hat. I mean, this guy is special. He is going to be a superstar. He is, you know, we, I saw, I think it was Alf who put out the best 10, uh, a thing about the test, best 10 receivers. And you have names on the list like Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker. I, I, I've i seen, you know, some of the list and you got Clayton Duper. Uh, it would not surprise me if Jalen Waddle ended up being like a top three in the history of Miami Dolphins well, wide receiver. As long as they sign him and don't let him walk at the door. Yeah, 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 all those things. But that he is that good. He is as good as advertised. Like, I don't really care, like, like what the stats say. Jalen Waddle is on par and, and is on the right track. To be the, what we wanted to be. I mean, Miami, you, the Miami media tried to scare us a little bit with the dropsies, and look at how he's turned that around. Well, and, and I've and I've been hell, I've been hell bent on saying that I don't care about us taking the the trade back with the 49ers to get Jalen Waddle because I would rather have Jalen Waddle all day than say, even though I like the guy, like a Rashad Bateman. Like I, I just think the difference between a Waddle and a Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman got held back because of his now again i agree with you because i had dylan waddle but i think 
Rashawn Bateman's injury is what's held him back. You're not going to see Rashad Bateman start to really see what he can be until next oh, year. And the end of this year is he's going to get better week by week, but next year is going to be like because you saw what he's doing in training camp. Oh boy, he was lighting people up out there. Now you're going to see him start to get in a form. And then next year is when you're going to see Rashad Bateman really just, hit the hit. Yeah, and, and he's in a unique situation with a quarterback because, like, look, whether he, you know, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, Lamar yeah. likes to run first, and, and and it's obvious. And he has Andrews, and he has Hollywood, and Bateman's the third target. So it's Bateman's going to be better than Hollywood, though. Oh, I believe it. Um, But, no, back to Tua, B on the day, solid game. You know, I, I think, look, until he proves us wrong, he's going to throw a boneheaded pick in every game because he's been doing it. And I hope he this cleans it up. This, though, in his first 10 games, that's what's – but you know he bounces back from good. Like if you look at the, he starts the game strong and he finishes strong. It's quarters two for three, that like the whole team seems like they go on a downward spiral in the yeah, second or third yeah, quarter. Yeah. You know, two second out, quarter is actually statistically where we're like one of the worst or teams. Yeah, but there's been so many times this year where the Dolphins with Tua on the first drive have come out and scored touchdowns, and I'm scripted, like, scripted, brother, scripted. That comes down to play calling, and, and, and then in the fourth quarter, like he's marbles. I mean, he is. I mean. Like, I, I don't care if it's the Jets, it's a division game on the road. I remember very, very vividly that we had to be the Ryan Tannehill led Dolphins had to beat the Jets in a game and we could barely get, like, get a first down in the game, right? Like, yeah. so, you, you, and that wasn't a very good Jets team either. So, like, I, like it's a good win. Now, this, you know, you take them, right? And you yeah. got three in a row, and yeah. every week two is getting a little healthier and healthier. I, I, I think what's disappointing is that. The other players around him aren't getting healthier and healthier. Like Devontae Parker all of a sudden was on the IR and it looked like he could have played the following week. And then now he's still hurt four weeks later. Like, I don't get it. I don't get this Devontae Parker injury situation. Will Fuller, like, I understand that I heard his finger was actually pretty messed up. Yeah, but yeah, that's absolutely. Bro, tape that shit up and play. You're making $10 million. Well, yeah, you know, I saw what, uh, what Russell Wilson's finger look like and he's already back is all i gotta say right like it, it, it's it's unbelievable because i don't think we know anything about this team on offense that we didn't know five we still don't have a de- identity that's the big we thing. have no identity i mean like you know we'll talk about it a little bit thank god the running back room's getting yeah. some help but like it, it, it's disappointing because i do think like if you have Devonte parker and will fuller on this team this stretch that we have coming up could be something special for the Miami Dolphins. I really believe that. Like, it's a shame we started off the way we did. Know. You know, if we win two of those four games, the Colts, oh. Raiders, Jags, and Falcons right now, the, you right now the headlines on Sunday morning TV is that the Dolphins are one of the most dangerous teams in football. Like, that's how nuanced and different just a couple games can make a season. And that's, you know, look, I knew – when we lost to Jacksonville, that was going to come back to bite us in the ass. I knew it. Like you don't lose to the Jacksonville Jags. You know, it just doesn't happen, but it is what it is. Now you got a different course and you got to play that course. You, you win the games on your schedule and you move on to the next week. The dolphins are home for the next month, right? They have, they have Carolina. I think the giants will buy and then the jets again. Right. I mean, and then they go to Monday night football under the lights against a Trevor Simeon led New Orleans saints. And then they have a Derek Henry less, maybe a Julio Jones and AJ Brown, less Tennessee Titans team. I mean, like the schedule for the Miami dolphins is beautiful. I, I, I need to see a little bit more than I saw against the jets. First of all, you know, the defense looked okay and they got their big turnover with Brandon Jones when he just freaked. What do you think of the offensive line? 15 pressures, 10 of those 
five and five between said, well, Eichenberg it's and Davis. Here, right? <laughs> and now Eichenberg is first in the NFL, 49 pressures allowed. Jesse Davis is um, 45. He's number two. And number three with 44 is Austin Jackson. We have the one, two, three, and four uh, yeah. one, two, three guys still. Yeah, and that's not going to change. They're three really bad players, man, and and they're young, and, and well, the two of them are really young and poorly coached. So, what do you think not, about Duke Johnson on his first few couple snaps too? I actually like good. That I, I honestly think the running back. I'm actually excited to see what the running back situation looks like for the rest of the year. I, I think they've added. Let's talk about it. They've added oh. Philip Lindsay now. They got in the successful waiver claim. What are your thoughts on? Um, Philip Lindsay, yeah, I know he goes down a little easy with contact. I know he doesn't offer you a ton in the passing game, but other than this year, this guy's never averaged under four yards per carry, former Pro Bowler, two-time thousand-yard rusher. He's fast. He has good vision, can hit the hole real quick. I mean, Dolphin fans remember him and Melvin Gordon ate us up last year. He just hasn't had the workloads. I think, you know, my personal take, Neil, is, you know, you look at what our committee was at the beginning with Ahmed and and Gaskin and Brown, I like Gaskin, Duke Johnson, and now Philip Lindsay much better as our three uh, back committee. Oh, absolutely. And look, the waiver wire signing of Lindsay was a no-brainer. Great job. You should have done that 10 out of 10 times. What we're getting in the player, right? And like, look, at Houston this year, he wasn't that good, but that is a you know, a team that would be drafting third if the season in a volume situation too, right? Yeah, and he's splitting carries with sixteen different running backs: David Johnson, Mark Ingram. Every time you look, there's a different guy. I mean, Dave Cully, God bless his soul, has no idea what he's doing as a head coach down there. I mean, that team. You know, they're, they're you know, we talk about our struggles. I mean, that team's on a different island of lost right now. You know, so they're they're a really bad team. Philip Lindsay, you know, for me, is the best running back on our roster already. I mean, and I and I like Miles Gaskin. I always think he's going to be a good solid number two. But yep. like, Philip Lindsay, I mean, like the guy's a good running back, you know. Uh, in Denver, you know, I mean, he made a Pro Bowl within the last three years. Uh, you know, he he he. I, I love his ability to cut, and he's got solid vision. Now, you know, I like I like I don't know the answer to this. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't even suit up this Sunday. To be honest, like he practiced today. Yeah, I saw that, and I hope I hope they do let him play because I think it's really important. Let him roll. He's still fresh. Let's go. The way we're going to have to play Carolina, we're going to have to run the ball against the man because their secondary can play. And it's not to say that Tua can't, but you know, all good young quarterbacks need a good running bank game to set up the passing game. And I, it, it's kind of football one hundred and one. Don't, don't make don't make excuses, Neil. Right, I know. Oh. Hey man, oh. it's okay because uh, you know. How dare you add context let, to the situation? Well, who has let us all down because he has one of the best receivers in football, and Devonte Parker apparently, oh. right? Now, yeah. but um, I, I, I honestly think it's a good signing, man, and and I agree. Like, like, I, like, why haven't we signed Duke Johnson before, man? Like, yeah. this guy's wanted to be. You know a- what I liked every time he got tackled, he was moving forward. Yeah, and I and I look, I look, Salvin Ahmed. Like I know there was a lot of people that liked him because of his speed, and he had a really good game against New England. Yeah. I didn't see anything from him this year. I, oh, I, I really can't block with a good goddamn. No, Patrick Laird. Like I'll tell you what, man, that little Lindsay can't block either though. Let's yeah, oh, he can't. He won't block anyone. Duke Johnson can though. Patrick Laird caught that little screen in the flat to it last week and busted a couple tackles. and got a yeah. first down. That was a huge first down. Oh, it play. was huge, man. And there you go on that play because the per- if you go back and watch that play. 
to his progressions. If you go back and watch it, it started to the left because I believe, if I remember correctly, they tried to bring Jalen Waddle on motion behind Gasecki, and they thought Jalen Waddle was going to get open on that quick out, but the read wasn't there. If 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 so, that play was designed to go there, but they had reads on the other side. Go back and watch that play. Albert Wilson wide open in the end zone. Yeah, but no, Philip Lindsay's going to be a good player. I, I mean, man, when you can add a running back of that caliber halfway yeah. through the season, I, I like you know you you take the chance. I you know like hopefully it's a and it, look listen doesn't have a lot of wear and tear, and we got to buy in a couple weeks for him to rest up too. So like it's pretty a pretty fresh fight. set of wheels, man, and like. You know, we were talking about excuses there. A certain B reporter was on the Big O show, and, you know, he's saying he's tired about the excuses when, when uh, Big O was bringing up the running game, the lack of offensive line, stuff we've been keying in on for quite some time. And I got to say, I was quite disappointed. I didn't know, you know, you know, I, I really actually, what really bugged me was when he said he didn't know why he didn't make that throw to to, to Waddle uh, in terms of Tua. And I was like, so you can't explain why, you know, all you got to do is look at his base. All you got to do is, you know, you've been writing about football for over 20 years. I mean, do you just watch the game and not understand it? I mean, when you're telling me that you've been watching the game and, and writing about the game for this long and you can't explain why a throw wasn't made because you can explain why every throw wasn't made. And, you know, when, like 99% of the time, especially when you go look at that play, you know, that told told me it was like, you don't really know the game. And, well, you know, and then I kept listening to the takes and I'm like, this is the most ignorant thing. Like, you know, I, I've said this when I started my channel on YouTube inside the NFL. I said, you know, Dolphin fans, some of them can't spell the word context, let alone understand its meaning. And, you know, people need to start differentiating context from reality. I mean, I took journalism in college and the, one of the foundations of any article or any piece you write is the who, what, when, where, why, how. Why is it all that? Because you want the context and you want all the answers to everything. The five W's plus how. You want all the answers. The who, what, when, where, why, how. And I sit here and I'm looking at this and I'm seeing all these beat reporters and I see all these people on Twitter, on YouTube, Facebook. They take everything at surface level at face value. You know, the stats are the stats, not, okay, why, why has he thrown these many interceptions? Why did he throw that interception? Why his is his pressure evasion rate so high? Why are these players, you know, allowing so many pressures? Instead of just saying, oh, they're allowing these many pressures, you gotta start finding the context of the situation because at the context of every situation, you're gonna find the root problem, and that's how you're gonna find a solution, whether it's coaching, whether it's on the player, you know, whether whatever the case may be. And I, I sit there and I'm listening to these takes and I'm like you know, this is god awful. I mean, if, if this guy can make, if works to work for ESPN, if this guy can make it, I got, I got a better chance than anybody out here, Neil. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a big difference between excuses and context. And no, yeah, you know, if you know, I, everything doesn't have to be so you know, pick a side, you're there too or not. Like, yeah. like it's okay to say that like, you like to and be objective, or dislike to it and still be objective. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, and look, if you want to build any credibility, 
you know, you don't in the same sentence where you're questioning Tua say that Devontae Parker's on the same level, yet alone equal than a Keenan Allen. Like, I, I mean, that is just I, 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 I you. It. Mike Williams is better than DVP. Well, we're Williams. here. We're hitting December next week, and um, you know, so we only have one month less than a year. That that's the worst take I've heard all year. So congratulations. Um, that that is absolutely a bold faced lie. Now with Devontae Parker, I swear I I wish he was out there this week because he he does get tend to get the best of Stefan Gilmore. But I mean, like, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a battle between the fans and, you know, yeah. but now like, you know, the media is like, it's like, you know, we already found out that they, you know, it came out in the summer that the media have a, uh, you know, we're talking about the South Floridian beat reporters here of all the major, um, you know, Newspaper outlets or paper outlets, digital paper outlets, whatever you want to call the Sunset Mill and all that stuff. They have a chat where they're basically talking about, you know, fans in terms of how they love Tua. I mean, you saw Joe Shad got basically ratioed and then come out and about how Tua is the most polarizing figure. But, you know, you listen to him talk and then Big O brings up something that, you know, we've talked about and I've said publicly, well, okay, if Tua is, a, if Tua is not the guy and Tua is a bust, well, what does that make Trevor Lawrence? And then he's stumped. He has no answer. And then what does he come around, Neil, and say? Oh, well, those guys deserve more time. Well, it's like, well, what, what's going on here, bro? Like, oh. you know, different standards. What is it? Because Trevor Lawrence is the great white hope and two is some kid from Hawaii. What's going on here? Well, I'll tell you why. Because, you know, we, we, we're telling the end. We're trying to get to the end of a story before, the you know, we we're even out of the first chapter. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that everyone's in a rush to prove that they're right or they're wrong. And then they throw a bunch of things that Just are let it play out, especially in a season where you're four and seven. Right. Like, you're like, you know, I'll be very open where I stand with Tua. Like right now, we have no idea, but we're seeing progress. We're seeing him elevate the team. He's becoming a leader He's he up. through injuries. He's playing with a piss poor offensive line yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, the other guy who's had the same exposure to the same line, Jacoby Brissett, who has many more under his belt, Tua's making the offensive line look a lot better than Jacoby yeah. Brissett did. Uh, you know, the receiving core that we entered the season with, with Parker and Will Fuller, they haven't played. Preston Williams hasn't played. It's been Jalen Waddle and a bunch of guys that who really gives a shit about Jags, that. just another guy. Right. So I, I like I, I will tell you this Mike Kiseki was on is on pace to have his best career. Um numbers ever even uh, even and that's then- because everyone fell around him it's the same situation as last year we don't even use him as a like dude he you you basically like he is a glorified wide receiver right now like we don't it's because everyone dropped around him like flies so we had to use him on the boundary and in the slot again like that that's just because other than jalen waddle he has been the well and mac collins but you know you look at the core when we're talking about fuller parker preston williams um you know, Jalen Waddle and Gasecki, where everyone would consider our top five pass catchers going in when healthy this year. You know, Gasecki and Waddle have been the only healthy guys can, and the only consistent guys. And then other guys have had to step up and they've been consistent like Matt Collins and such. So, it, it, you know, you know what all this says to me is, Neil, I look at this kid's numbers and I already went over them. I don't got to say them again. Imagine if he had, I don't know, a good offensive line. Imagine if game. he had a running game. Like I, I said this, you know, 
people are people got it wrong. It was never about the receivers Tua was throwing to. Tua is adjusting at the NFL level. It's not about adjusting to not having weapons. It's about he's adjusting to the offensive line play. That's been the biggest adjustment for Tua in game. That's what it is. It's not the weapons. He can get these proven to us. He can get the ball to guys like Matt Collins and Lynn Bowden when he was here last year. That's not the issue. Jakeem Grant, when he was here, he just dropped them. That was never the issue. It was about the protection. And that's why you've seen some of the bad mechanical habits mean you've talked about is because of protection as well as his durability concerns. You know, when you are nursing injuries and you know you have you know, leaky protection, you're going to be extra cautious in the sense of cowering away after throws to protect your ribs or your finger or whatever the case may be. You just compensate under pressure. That's when you see bad habits come out. And yet this kid with, with, you know, a bad offensive line historically, you know, we talk about 2019 was historically bad. This team is on pace to field a worse offensive line than 2019, literally. And he's still, growing we're seeing progress and he's putting up other than the turnovers i mean he's putting up more than respectable stats and even with the turnovers he's doing enough to put us in a chance to win multiple games that quite frankly the defense didn't win well let's let's dig into it a little deeper right so a lot of dolphin fans that grew up in the era with dan marino right dan marino instantly came in the league and became an mvp candidate right and that's rare that's very rare and then the quarterback that was drafted one pick after Tua, Justin Herbert, has done the same. Yep. And because of that, it's put this unfair stigma and pressure on that Tua has to be an MVP. He has to be better than Justin Herbert. Yeah, and but the, didn't the Bengals miss out? Last well, I checked, is Burrow Herbert? Yeah, well, it, it, but it, and it, they had the first pick. It, Let's talk about losing, that. It's a losing battle, though, because it, it doesn't. It's not about Burrow. It's not about Tua. It's not about Herbert. It, it, it's about you know, there's an ability for all of these players to be good quarterbacks, right? I I'm, think I think Burrow, Tua, and Herbert can be one of the better quarterback classes when it's all said and done. Well, you know, and we were talking online before. Like, look, guys, Justin Herbert's really good. He's way better than anybody who does the NFL draft. That ninety nine percent of the people didn't have Justin Herbert. Out. Yeah, like, I mean, he 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 is having a meter. You know, I mean. He's he's on a skyrocketed ship to be one of the best quarterbacks in football. He is playing great football. Like it is what it is. Let it go. If Tua can be an upper echelon quarterback, like good. Who can, like it's good for the league to have good young quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Tua's not going to be afraid to go yeah, play. But look Justin at look Herbert. what they did to their offense. Like even they realized he needs the offensive line. I mean, this is what I talked about. You know, even the people that want Deshaun Watson, you know. I mean, why did they make the Tunsil trade? Because they realized with a bottom 15 line, they couldn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, they could get to the first or maybe get knocked out in the second round, but they weren't going to go any deeper. So, I mean, we all think that we fleece them. I mean, you look at what we did with the draft picks, and I ask you, did we really fleece them? And, you know, and you know, Bill O'Brien, whether right or wrong, he did it with the intention of trying to give Deshaun Watson that top 15 line to put it over a hump. And what does that prove? Yes, even one of the best improvisers and one of the top five, top three quarterbacks in the game, however you judge it, is fine. He's definitely top five. He even needed an offensive line. to, And, and this is a guy who's better legs than Mahomes, more improvisational outside the pocket than Mahomes. 
but even he needed a top 15 offensive line. And remember how good was that Texans defense when they traded for Laramie Tunsil because they were quite similar to us in terms of how we built our defense. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they had sure. a top I mean, 10 defense at the time, you know? All that said, yeah, I agree. But, you know, we all know this too because we and, can't. And that's not to knock that. I'm not. This is no bearing on whether Watson is better than Tua yes, at all sure. with what I'm saying. That's yep. not what I'm talking about. I know Watson's better. I'm saying even someone we can all agree on that's better than Tua and a more finished product than Tua needed a top 15 offensive line to make that Super Bowl run. I mean, go look at when Patrick Mahomes won his Super Bowl. That was a top offensive line in football. Last year, it fell apart. He was running for his life in the Super Bowl. And they went and rebuilt it. No, I, I with you, man. And like, but you know, the thing that, that the conversation will change once Tua fully establishes himself as this franchise quarterback. Then but, the he, but is he getting a fair shake to probably actually not. do it in Miami? And can he even do it in Miami, or is the jury already out? Well, probably not. And and I, you know we've covered that. You know probably not. But you know he's got to overcome it, or he's not going to be here, right? Like we saw the Cardinals do it, and it worked out well for them. Yep. See Josh Rosen. They know Kyler Murray. Murray in this draft, though, my friend. Yeah, but the the, the quarterback that we keep talking about is, is on that level. You I know got a I mean? bad feeling, Neil. I think something's gonna. I think something's gonna happen. We don't expect. I've just maybe it's p maybe it's my version of PTSD of a Dolphins fan where I know Dolphins things go Dolphin ways, and when we get a player, we're hyped about him and he never works out, or when we're rumored to have the inside track on a player, a la like Barry Sanders, it ends up going sideways and we don't get them. Well, that's that's because it's there with time. There's a lot of opportunity. Ricky for Williams, and then we get, and then everything comes together. Ricky Williams, we're rumored to get him. We get him. He is what he is. Is you know he is what we expected. Plus a whole hell of a lot more. But then the pot comes in. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's like and even when the stars align, something comes out of the well, freaking it, it, blue. That's, you know, that's what makes any trade for that quarterback dangerous with all the legal stuff. And that's why, like you know, I, I we're five six months before that can even happen. Like two is the guy. Well, it makes that tra- that those type of assets being traded for anyone dangerous because not even legal aside, bro. You got we're talking about a guy. How many ACL injuries? He's got a, a collarbone injury. Like this guy isn't exactly like you know, you know. We're not talking like he's never been hurt before. You know what I mean? Like anything can happen on any given Sunday. So you could trade those assets for any player, and they don't have to have legal legalities. I mean, you know. You know what, though? I'll say this. If Tua runs the table, right, and that's a big task. What if he runs the table and we don't make it, though? If he runs the table, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, none of those things will matter because the Dolphins, I like, it's not about, like, that will be a run. That means they will win, what, nine straight games? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I want you to look down in your gut right now. Right. A, does my does Tua have a chance to be have a Miami moment this year? And B, if so, is it Monday night against New Orleans, or is it potentially? It's not. Gonna la- be one hold game. on, hold on, or is it potentially the last week of the season, where whether we are involved or not, the the New England Patriots could be in a battle for seeding, and like 
Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2019 when he beat and, and you know he put he put them in the coffin. Tannehill and the Titans put the nail in the coffin. You know if Tua is Miami's is Miami's matchup against New England with what the playoff ramifications for two for New England could be and Tua could play spoiler. It's that is Miami moment. Right. No, uh, I the the moment won't be one game because because okay. I, I think it's gonna be bigger than that. Right. Like and. and you think it's a stretch? It's got to be the stretch, and, and and like like look, we we got to. As I'm an advocate for Tua, I think the right thing to do is to continue the course with him. I yeah. really do. But look, and we'd all be saying everyone in their mother would be saying that if the Watson carrot wasn't but, being dangled. But just so like, let's be fair, right? Well, yeah. we're, we're sitting here complaining about our offensive line. The Baltimore Ravens are on their third string right tackle. They're the, one of the best left tackles in coaching. football. Ronnie coaching. Stanley's out coaching. for the year. I'm, I'm just it, I, it is coaching man, but they're giving up a shit ton of pressures. Uh, Robert Quinn had three sacks on uh, Villanueva last week, right? So yeah. I'm just like, he's out of position they, though. They moved him to left when he was supposed to be signed as a right for them. Sure, sure, but like their offensive line's a mess. They're giving yeah. up as much pressure as us the last few weeks. So like, good players can overcome certain things and i'm not saying it's going to be perfect but that's the thing again one of those we talked about this one of those handful of players that he's got elite athleticism and speed that he can evade and get out but two is a better passer right yeah yeah yeah. so i mean like you i i I just think that the line's going to be the line i do think that we'll see parker come back at some point and probably will come back uh, I, I think he probably will if the Dolphins keep winning. Really, yeah, I really tell me do. that guy didn't want to retire, Neil. Oh, he, he, yeah, yeah he, he he's, <laughs> he's already got one foot in wherever he's going, bro. Every week when that check comes in, man, he is so happy because he knows he is just stealing. But I, I think Tua's got to do it now. Like, think about this. Let's 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 create a movie. Okay, right? so what? Okay, so you got to stretch the six games. Is, is is does he have to win out? I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not just about winning. Because you think about it, if he wins the next six games, he that means we finish the season on a nine-game winning streak. How right. freaking rare is that, bro? It's rare. It's it's definitely rare. And that's, like, we are asking the world of this kid. It's hilarious. But, but like, let's talk about the situation. It's also rare that the owner, when a when your number five overall pick hasn't started a season yet, is on the phone with another team's quarterback. So that everything about it. The situation is as rare as it gets. So, look, the deck is stacked against Tua. I've told you off the record, I don't think the guy has a shot to be the quarterback next year. Like, I, I and I mean that. I don't think he has a shot. I think the Dolphins' decision's made. I, I think, actually agree with you. I think it's. I, I think. I think as soon as this season ends, because I look, I don't think the. Dolphins, I agree with you in all forms. I think the only way for him to have any chance of changing the narrative is he has to win out, and that's why I think it's over because I don't think we're gonna win out. Yeah, and look, and like that doesn't make the Dolphins a bad football team. That's a tough task for any team in football, right? No, but- you know what it's going to make us bitter at? What you said earlier. We should have never been in this position. If True. you would have won two or three out of the Colts, right? The Raiders, the Jags, and the, and the Atlanta Falcons, we wouldn't even be in this situation. And he could go... He could go four and two or five and one in this stretch. Because well, think this. of it, we'd be six and, if we won two, we'd be six and five. He could live literally if he went five and one in this stretch or four and two, he has a shot at the playoffs. Well, okay, let's play a game then. So you're going to play Chris Greer and I'll be Stephen Ross. And there's okay. two scenarios. Here's scenario one. Yeah. 
Tua loses one game of the re- of the remainder of the season, and they miss the playoffs by that game. And I come to you and say, "Look, boss, I, you know, you're Steve Ross. I'm Chris Greer. Look, boss, you know, look, it, Tua was out, missed three games. If he starts one of those three games, we probably win and we're in the playoffs. Why'd you hold him out? Yeah, like or no? Are you good moving forward with him? Uh, yeah, why'd then, you hold him out? And then, and then play the reverse roles. You're Chris Greer. I'm I'm Stephen Ross, and I come to you, and we miss the playoffs in that same scenario by one. And I say, you know what? If we had Deshaun Watson, we're beating Jacksonville. We're beating Atlanta. We win that Raiders game. We're definitely in the playoffs. Like I'm just saying, there's like two stories that can can, can materialize here, yeah. and I see it from both ends. And while I'm a Tua fan, and I want them to go, like the if I'm Stephen Ross after that Ravens game. I'm turning to them and I'm like, this kid wanted to play. Why did you hold him out? Right, I, and there's got to be some accountability there. But like, I get, I get like a lot of flack on Twitter because people say that like I'm anti Tua and I want Deshaun Watson to be the quarterback. No, no, no. When we have these conversations, I'm looking at this as a business, and and I'm putting the logic around it to see what could be real outcomes here. I, I my stance is that I say build this thing with Tua. And if yeah. he doesn't, if he's not the guy after four years, then you will find another guy. Yeah. I, 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 the context that I'm, pr- that I want to provide here is that this conversation's not over. There's a reason it's not. It's a reason that the trade deadline was two weeks ago, and Jay Glazer's still talking about it on morning shows. And there's a reason why the story hasn't died in over a year, and it's because the legitimate interest is real. Yeah. And that, that's the story. Like. If I sat here and said that two is a hundred percent the starter next year, and I thought that was the case, I can't I wanted, say that. I, I, can't I, say I, that. I, I don't see it. Like, say the Dolphins stumble, right? Say the Dolphins lose four more games. Then there's a scenario where it doesn't even matter if they don't get Watson. I don't. I still don't think two is the guy. Like, so it gets. It, it, there's a many dynamics. That's why this audition, and I put that in quotes because again. I think the decision's already made at the front office level. I think they've already got a contingency plan at the end of this season. T- Tua's going to need a miracle. He's the kind of guy that can do it. He is. I mean, I'm telling you, whether you like him on the field or not, the guy has the intangibles. He has that it factor. Like, we're starting to see him play better. You know, he's he's trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? And, and he's doing the best he can. Now, my knock on him reason, and, and you know this is my knock, I need more touchdowns i need more touchdowns and it's not just on him it's a play calling thing like i think we're going to actually see the dolphins take a step in the right direction in the next couple weeks with the offense and it's because i think two is getting healthier i think the line even though they're bad and they're poorly coached like they're starting to gel a little bit better each week and and that's important and well you saw robert hunt this week looked i mean you go back do you remember that gasecki fumble a couple of weeks ago where he's hit by the snap that was on the silent count that Robert Hunt got wrong. And now you see, we were using the silent count again this week. They look a lot more comfortable and a lot more effective, sure. but you talk about that passing game turning around and this week is going to be a real test Neil, because they're going against the number one passing defense in the NFL. The Panthers are only allowing 174.2 yards per game, but here's the thing, Neil, the Dolphins, guess what? They now have the 17th best passing offense in the NFL. They're right. moving up, bro. 233.1 yards per game is what they're averaging. You know what is another thing they're moving up in offensively under Tua? They are 12th on third down right now. 
Right. Um, they are at 42%. So, Reese, let me go back for one thing before we jump into Carolina because I think it's important for me to say this on the Jets game. The officiating in that game, and I hate calling about the refs, but all I, week, bro. Look at the look at the Cowboys game. Uh, I, the the Mike Gesicki pass interference call. That was okay. like now his first one was a good call. The, I'm talking about the scene where it was like the 25 yard catch. You're talking about the one where he didn't extend his arm and he was actually being held, and right. then he got he actually used his arm. He didn't even fully extend, but he used his arm to get the guy off him holding. That was a big play in the game because I, I mean that 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 was a big that catch. was clean to me. That was a bad call. Yeah, I mean, and there was so many and the, the Xavier Howard pass interference call and, and like yeah. it is what it is. I mean, NFL officiating is just at a point where it is atrocious. Right it's ruining the product. Yeah, um, it, they don't let them play. Yeah. I, I I'll be honest, man. On Thanksgiving, like that Raiders Cowboys game. I, I gave up watching it because I couldn't stand it. Yeah. I couldn't stand the penalties. But yeah. I, I just wanted to say that like. I think the offense could have played a lot better, but I also think they got hurt. And one of the things that's really hurting this team, and it seems like it's the Austin Jackson special within the 10 yard line every week, he's getting a bad penalty. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's but ridiculous. No, a game in like their defense. I look, this game scares me, bro. They're, they're all, they're the sixth scoring defense. They're only allowing twenty points per game. They're number three in sacks. They're the number five third down defense. And what's scary about that is, you know, um, like we got to be good on third down. Like your best downs are gonna have to be on third down. Like the 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 one thing I will say is, you know, we're eighth in takeaways. We have sixteen. They are fifteenth. They have thirteen. Um, but you know. You got Hassan Reddick. He's got 10 and a half sacks. Brian Burns is seven. Hassan Reddick is number three in the NFL. Brian Burns is number eight. Their 17 and a half sacks combined is more than some teams. Their 17 and a half sacks is of their 30 because they're third in the NFL. Like they legitimately create pressure. I mean, these guys are creating pressure as well. They're not just like, they're not just sacking the quarterback. That's what's. That's what's what that's what that's what's troublesome here, right? Like you go look at what they're doing, um, and it's not just coming from those those two. Like, um, you know, Derek Brown is quietly having a very, very good season right now. But when we talk about pressures with them, you know, Brian Burns is 33, Hassan Reddick is 31, Derek Brown is 16, Daquan Jones is healthy, he is 15, um, Yitzhak Gross Matos, he has eight of his own. But, you know, these guys are producing. And right now, like I said earlier, we have the top three guys in pressure allowed. Like, you know, and they're creating pressure from the interior and from the edge right now. So this is like a kind of a scary matchup when you start comparing these teams and you know you know i talked to you earlier about christian mccaffrey right sure that's who scares me the most more than the defense (laughs) so my thing is you got to play them like tampa has in 2019 and 2020 i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something in 2019 in 2019 Okay, in 2019, Christian McCaffrey averaged 163 yards against every team he faced in the NFL, except the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He averaged 55 yards, and they shut him down last year as well. What you got to do is you got to set the edge, but you also you got to get into the backfield, and you got to stop him before he gets going. And if he's going to get involved in the passing game, 
you go to the Bills game. I don't know if you remember, but there was a play where we ran. We motioned Waddle into the backfield to release him, and they knew how to play it perfectly. They jammed him at the line, and they took everything away on the right side. You got to do the same thing with Christian McCaffrey. If he's going to try and release out of the backfield, got to have someone there to jam him. Like, you got to spy him. I don't know whether we go into that Ruby package with six DBs or whatever, but Brandon Jones, Javon Holland, Jalen Phillips, um, Jerome Baker, even though his coverage is suspect, they're potential guys, you know, or even a Duke Riley that you maybe can spy Christian McCaffrey with. But, you know, they're 15th in the NFL. They're averaging 115.5 yards per game as a rushing offense. So they're going to make things happen. I think if you shut down Christian McCaffrey, you got to set the edge. You got to hit him in the backfield. That's where you're going to stop him. If he gets the ball and he gets going, you know, coming out of the backfield, it's going to be a problem for you. You know, if you can stop him and you make them one-dimensional and contain Cam to the pocket and he's got to beat you with his dead arm, we got them right where we where we, where we we want them. But Christian McCaffrey, the blueprint's been laid out by Todd Bowles, set the edge, contain him, hit him in the backfield, keep him to the backfield. You know, you saw especially with the cover zero, right? We were getting a lot of bodies into the back, into the backfield, you know, disguising our blitzes. We're going to have to get guys back there and they're going to have to make the tackles. You cannot miss these tackles because quite frankly, in a lot of cases, you're going to have to gang tackle Christian McCaffrey too, which you saw the Buccaneers were doing. They gang tackle, like they all collapse to the ball carrier when it's Christian McCaffrey. We're going to have to duplicate that. Well, I think the strategy to beat the Panthers actually is to try to eliminate McCaffrey the best you can. And the way I think you have to do it is kind of how you play defense against Baltimore. You blitz those safeties. That's why I'm really, really paying attention to Brandon Jones on this injury report because if you keep him in as a blocker, right, which he's not great at, but he, he's a willing and able, um, he's got to have to stay in there. If you're blitzing extra men. Yeah, but you're going to have to spy him, right? Because if you send all those people and they send them out on a swing route – like he's going to be alone in the flats. Oh, yeah. And really the receiver onto that side is only going to have one man to block. And then McCaffrey's off to the races. But what we got no man high. What we've seen though, is those safeties get there quick. I mean, like Lamar Jackson couldn't even prepare for it. Right. And, and yeah, and, but look at Flacco. They prepared for Flacco. What did they have? Quick stuff ready for him. Bang, get it out. Bang, get it out. Like, think about it. If I, if you show me your cover zero look and what did the jets do against us that, I would be looking at if I was a defensive coordinator that kind of set back our covered zero was they kept motioning, right? So if I'm the Carolina Panthers, okay, I'm going to show you like 10 man and 11 man personnel packages, but what are you going to do if you got your cover zero? And yeah, I got him in the shotgun with McCaffrey, but now I motion McCaffrey up into the slot on the one side. And now I'm running two men to the left, three to the right, empty set. And McCaffrey is my slot to the left. All I got to do is send him on a quick slant over your cover zero, and I'm killing you all day. Well, so you got to be careful, man. To be fair, though, the biggest play of that Jets-Dolphins game was the blitz. Brandon Jones forced that fumble. I mean, that bailed the Dolphins out. I mean, the Dolphins were on the verge of – you know, let the Jets walk in another touchdown. Yeah, but look at look at what the cover zero look at. Well, oh, look, at, look it's it wasn't risk. even it wasn't even cover zero. What were we in cover one when when they when they ate us on the Elijah Moore slant? 
Sure. I mean, but it, it, look, it's going to be risky because I don't remember the, what the, the coverage of the was. matter. The fact of the matter is that the Panthers are a better football team than us. You you just outlined well, why. That, that, well, that's what I'm afraid <laughs> of. Like they can do things that can counter our cover zero. And we thought Elijah Moore was bad. They okay, so the thing is, listen, this is just my opinion, but. I think he's just as deadly as a pass catcher as he's a runner. Of course, and he is. if you put listen, if I motion this guy out and put him in the same positions that the Jets put Elijah Moore against you, I might be able to kill you with Christian McCaffrey. You know, pre you know, what you see pre-snap won't be what you see post-snap. And you saw the motion was killing our blitzing. Now I agree with you. You got to find that mixture because that's going to make Cam Newton uncomfortable as well. We got to find that mixture, but we got to be prepared because the one thing we did, you go back to that Ravens game. I don't know if I asked you this question. I asked another, a couple other people this question, but did we show too much in that Ravens game against all their looks? Did we show, we got to start getting creative here with the cover zero because the Jets showed Flacco is an inferior quarterback. And I'm not saying. Cam Newton's much better by any stretch of the imagination, but Cam still can get that short stuff out, and that's what worries me because all you need, the counter to the cover zero, is that short stuff. Well, here's what scares me, right? Like, let's let's break down the game. I take the quarterback out because, you know, I, I don't really – I I don't – you know, I, I, don't I know. Do, uh, but, you know, Newton's got experience, so I'll just yeah. say they're a wash. McCaffrey's way better than our whole backfield. Their lines way it's all no McCaffrey's the best offensive player in this game. Right. And, and their offensive line needs a lot of work in Carolina, but it's better than ours. Um, yeah. their receiving core with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore is better than ours. We have a better tight end situation. Their defensive line is actually probably better than our defensive line. Their linebackers are better than our linebackers. We have a better overall secondary. But theirs isn't that bad. I mean, at corner, they got Stefan Gilmore, CJ Henderson, Dante Jackson. They have Jeremy Chin. I love Jeremy Chin. Oh. Yeah, they have Jeremy Chin back there. And, you know, so so where can the Dolphins win this game? And, and I think last year we could have said special teams, but like, I think Jason Sanders is the most disappointing player on the Miami Dolphins this year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, two years ago, I, I was saying that he was nothing more than a middle of the pack quarterback. And last year, I had to eat a lot of crow. And I, you know, Everyone kicker, reminded me yeah. of what I was saying before that, and you know, on Twitter I was I had a kicker, lot of, right? You said cornerback, but you mean kicker, right? Yeah, or kicker, yeah, Jason Sanders, yeah. and yeah. I mean, he's been awful. He's he's been honestly, buddy. He's three for five between thirty and thirty nine yards. He's three for five from forty to forty nine yards. He's two for three from fifty yards. Like it is not good right now, dude. I am not. A like, and you took care of him before you took care of Xavier Howard, who recently restructured his contract to save over three and a half million for us. But you look at it this way, bro. Check this one out. He's already three for five this year from 40 to 49, and he's three for five from 30 to 39, right? Last year from 30 to 39, he was seven for seven. The year before, he was eight for nine. The year before that, three for three. The year before, um, from third, 40 to 49, which he's three for five on this year, he was 12 for 14. The year before that, he was five for nine. He's going back to like that from four to 49. And actually, um, you know, this guy is statistically on pace for having his worst season right now. Like, I, I've just, this next thing up, knock on wood, this guy's going to start missing extra points, Neil. Right, and, and it scares me, and that's why I, I think this is going to be a tight game, and I don't have faith in him. And if you ask me what I what I what how I think it's going to shake down, 
Unfortunately, I think Carolina's oh, going to no. I think Carolina wins 23 to 21. Oh, I think no. I think it's that no. close of a game and, you know, I, I again, I hope I'm wrong, but you know, like this is the game. You know, so you were asking me where Atua could have a moment. Well, he mm -hmm. could have starts of a moment here if he plays well in this game it's time to really start paying attention because yeah. this is this is his toughest matchup of the season yeah uh, i i mean i maybe new england in week one was but this new is England in week 17 will be too yeah i mean this is a tough matchup for any quarterback now i'll, I'll say this mm -hmm. the washington football team did just go in there and beat them right Haneke, yeah. right with so i i I, I, this is winnable. No one's saying this isn't winnable, but let me put things in perspective. Let's talk about the Cam and Christian McCaffrey connection, my friend. So Cam's Newton's best season since his MVP year, which was in 2015, was his MVP year. Yep. As a passer was 2018. Remember when North Turner was there? Yep. And this is how much of an impact Christian McCaffrey had on it. 775 yards of Cam's 3,395 passing yards Word to Christian McCaffrey. That's 22.8%. Six of Cam's 24 passing touchdowns were to Christian McCaffrey. That's 25%. 95 of Cam's 320 completions were to Christian McCaffrey. That is 29.6%. So you see how much he relies on Cam you know, Cam relies on Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, this is how, you know, important it, and instrumental to winning it's going to be for this defense to shutting down Christian McCaffrey because now as he's settling in, you know he's going to go back to CMC, all right? Like, that's just going to be what he does. You know, I actually have us winning this game. I have us winning 23 to 16. Um, I think we figured Cam out as a Patriot. Um, I think Tua is going to do enough. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I'm not expecting him to go out here and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns, but you know, I could see a 250 game, you know, a touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Well, that, and that'd be a really good game. I mean, that would be a really good game against this team. And you know, if he throws that second touchdown in there and he has three total touchdowns, blessed me on Sunday. But I, I can see him having a very efficient game, and I can see him doing enough. Um, I actually have more faith because I have a scoring. You know, obviously, two touchdowns and um, three field goals but um i think we're going to be able i was actually flirting with 20 to 13 um you think, Judge, I think, you think jason Sanders is going to have a good game see like i i, I think he's going to bounce back but i don't i hope so i, I don't think he's going to have to be i think we're going to move the ball i don't think they're going to be deep shots what yeah. worries me is us finishing off in the red zone that's what worries me like in terms of like punching the ball in yeah, you know what I mean? so you know if we give them chip shots i think that's what can happen and defensively i don't think they're gonna you know beyond christian mccaffrey i don't see much of a problem being poised to us i mean i, I respect dj more my problem is i think and believe cam is washed Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I, like, honestly, I think our defense, I mean, you know, I, I only have them giving up 23 points and who who knows how they get that. But uh, yeah, I, I think our defense will actually have a, a, a decent game. 
Um, I, I think they'll probably get a couple turnovers. You know, for me, man, and I say this knowing that I think Mike Gusecki and Jalen Waddle is better than anything Washington has outside. You know, I think Terry McLaurin's a, a, an amazing football player, but I mean, Washington doesn't have a bunch of great skill position players by any means. And well, they have Antonio Gibson, I think. He's Antonio Gibson, yeah. I mean, you know, so, I mean, and I'll take two, two over Tyler Heineke every day of the week. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I think the Dolphins should do better on offense. But, man, like, for some reason, and, and I, I think we know the reasons, no running game, no offensive line, um, this offense just doesn't click to me, man. I, 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 I Like, I don't see them ever really scoring, you know, more than 20 points a game. I just feel like that's for some reason where they're stuck in the mud. And that's un- unfortunately one of the things I think that, you know, two is up against is that like this offense, like, look, man, it's kind of freaking boring to watch. And I don't think there's anything to it can do differently because of the play calling. It is what it is, but like, they just like, they're decimated on the outside with injuries, man. I, I mean, like uh, who like, I, I, and good, you know, one thing I haven't said is like, honestly, Mac Hollins get, get him a three year, $9 million deal. What a what a great football player to have. You know, he's not a he's not gonna confuse anyone with Calvin Johnson, but you know, you need a guy like that who's your number five receiver, special teams ace, and and a hell of a leader. Another guy, Justin Coleman's playing unreal football. I think he's actually earned a contract over Nick Needham if they had to pick one of them heading into next season. Now let's talk about some injuries though, right? Because I do think so. Uh, uh, Elijah Campbell is out. Big special right? teams lost. Yep. Troy Williams is out. So we're probably going to see an active no Igwinogany. Adam Shaheen's out, and 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 that. So my prediction, and here's one bold prediction: one of the touchdowns that the Dolphins I have Hunter Long, come on, Hunter Long is going to have a touchdown on Sunday. Look at you. I think I, I think I, I'm way the prop people. I think I think two of throws two, one to Gaskin, one to Hunter Long. I think we kick a couple. Of, uh, you know what? No, I don't. I think we get a running touchdown. I don't think we kick any field goals. I think it's going to be 23-21. I, man, I hope I'm wrong because, honestly, if they win this game, so do I. it's hard not to look ahead and say, okay, we have the Giants coming to town, the Love Jets it. coming to town. Let's go. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. I am not afraid of the Saints at all. Not at all. At all. No. I'm not afraid of the Titans at all. I Like, Without Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and AJ Brown, I'm only afraid of Tannehill revenge season. Oh, I'm not. I I, I think Tannehill revenge season will go the other way. Um, and, and so so yeah, I, I mean like, why do you got to get my giblets all tickly? Because you're giving me hope that we can run it. To well, the it's New funny York. because you look at the schedule, and and I'll say this: I don't think the Dolphins are good enough to win nine games in a row. Hell no. But I'll say this: you sure as hell can make a case when you look at this schedule. And the other thing is. Look at when our bye week is falling. If you can Perfect. get to six and seven, you've got a bye week heading into the opportunity to go 500 and to close out the last four games of the season. A lot of these teams that you're going to face down the stretch are going to be beat up and wishing they had that. And think of all the wrinkles and things you can add in offensively in your bye as well as in your defense. Right. And, and I do think that, like, you know, one of these the things is, is like on it, like with the score, I picked it. This is kind of a coin. That's flip. what keeps holding me back, Neil. I don't believe we can finish the season off winning nine in a row. No, I, I don't either, man. If you I, would have asked us to win five in a row. I think we could have done that. Here, here's the truth, right? Has any team in football won nine games in a row this year? That's no. what I'm, okay. Well, I looked into it. Okay. The Dolphins as a franchise have never actually won just nine in a row. They've won eight in a row. They've won 10 in a row but they've never won it. And 
since the 2000s started, the most games they've won in a row in the 2000s to the 2010s is six games in a row. They've done it twice. Well, I'll say one thing to kind of wrap up for me that I've noticed in the last few weeks, and I don't think he should be back as the general manager next year, but the 2021 Miami Dolphins draft with Waddle, Phillips, and Holland love it. Is a draft where I really think we've and we've seen them as rookies already be three impact players. This is the foundation of this team. Yeah. And I, you know, we'll see like what happens with the quarterback situation. I think either way, we're going to be in good hands when all is said and done. So I I really think that the core nucleus that we're building here, because I like Christian Wilkins. If you would ask me before the season, I said, you know what? I think he's a guy we could let go. I think he's a guy you must sign. I think the defensive line with him, Zach Seiler, Ogba, and Raquan Davis is really, really good. And Jalen Phillips is your outside linebacker, pass rusher, is really good. Van Ginkle's a good, cheap player. You know, he's on a rookie contract as a fifth-round pick. You know, I, I know that Jerome Baker had started the season off awful. He, he's actually been pretty good the last two weeks, so I hope he keeps building towards that. I mean, you know, our, our secondary is is really good. At times, and sometimes it looks like it's one of the best in football. I mean, this defense honestly doesn't need a lot of changes in the offseason. So knowing that they have that defense, that they have a Jalen Waddle, that they have a Mike Isicki, you know, I know that the holes are glaring, but the holes are glaring because the rest of the roster is actually pretty damn good. Uh, you know, some of the holes are terrible. That's what I mean. It, what it, so for me, it's linebacker, offensive line, and wide receiver, right? Like that's my three offensive line is like the whole offensive line. That's the problem. Right. You know, true. Like, true. <laughs> Minus hunt. You know what I mean? True. But like, look, I mean, we talked about it before we got, they have the cap and draft capital to make it yeah, happen. Yeah. And if it, if, but if will they, they, but will they? Yeah. Well, and that's going to be the, the kind of million dollar question, but I, I will say this, like that young nucleus, let's, let's say the young nucleus of this team is Waddle, Holland, Phillips, Wilkins, Gusecki, Agba, I mean Brandon Jones, Raquan Davis, Zach Seiler. I mean, yeah, I mean, dude. I mean, and and I think Howard and Byron. Like, I really think I was Howard's gone at the end of the season. I really thought that with him restructuring his contract this week, and him. I mean, I heard that a major reason that he wasn't being chopped as hard is that. When he heard the Baltimore Ravens were interested in him, he did not want to go to Baltimore. Now, think about that for a, se- for a second. Like, you, it would have been him and Marlon Humphrey on a Super Bowl contender, and he'd rather stay in Miami. Like, that, like, it, it's funny because we all try to read into these stories. And, you know, I, like, I've heard that he was okay getting traded. And maybe that was just to go to Dallas to go home, right? Like, I don't know, maybe playing near, you know, like, I. He didn't want to go to Baltimore, <laughs> and he and he's you know I I know he's getting up there in age in the NFL age, but Xavier Howard still is a damn good football player. So if you want to keep him and Byron Jones for the next two or three years, I mean this team can be really really good next year. And if they go on this run right now, I mean like it doesn't have to be nine in a row. We have already started to see them string three uh, wins in a row. If they keep on this course for the rest of the year, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about to be a Dolphins fan. And sometimes you got to kind of see the kind of forest through the trees, right? But I mean, there's a lot of good here, a lot of bad, but there is a lot of good here as, as well. 
Yep, I agree. A lot to build off, and it's going to be fun watching down the stretch to see how the young players grow, develop, and perform. Neil, always a pleasure. Guys, we'll be back next week, hopefully celebrating a victory over the Panthers. Until next time, when we dive back in fin too deep, hope all of you have an enjoyable weekend and have a great week. We will see you all next time right back here at fin too deep